<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Wake up and smell the cover up. Hey, what do you say, folks? Here we go. Thursday, May 11. Uh, and uh, reaction to the Comey firing continues to dominate the news and dominate. Uh, the activity here and the comments in our nation's capital from Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill, from Donald Trump himself at the White House and his spokesperson uh, for this week, while Sean Spicer is on Naval Reserve duty or hiding in the bushes, either one. Uh, it is Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the big briefing yesterday. This is the Bill Press Show on top of it all for you and with you. As we tackle the big stories of the day, the big story, in this case, of the day, uh, and bring you all the latest, and open up the uh, social media lines so we can hear from you. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us all across the country, coast to coast. Now, let us know what you think about the firing of Comey, why it happened, and what ought to happen next. You know how to do so on Twitter. At BP Show. We've got a great lineup of guests for you today. Uh, uh, Debbie Hines, trial lawyer, will kick us off. Former Transportation Secretary Ray LaHood uh, will be joining us, as well as cybersecurity appoint, uh, reporter from Politico, Corey Bennett. All of that to jump into, tell you all about the big briefing yesterday and the big protest in front of the White House. But first, this yes, is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news here on a Thursday. Bill, did you know? Thursday already? Thursday already. It's Friday for Woo! some It's Friday for some of us. Yeah. Did you know? Yes, did that I know. ABC is bringing back one of your old favorite shows. They are rebooting American uh, Idol. Oh, it's coming back. It's not married with children. Not married no, with I'm children. Sorry, my favorite show of all time. Oh. American Idol is coming back. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, let's face it. When it went away. It was time. It, it, it was time. It was time. It was not the American Idol that we all loved at one time. We can say farewell to American Idol, but not everybody's ready to. ABC thinks that there's still an audience for it. With In fact. Si remember Simon and Paula and. Randy. Randy. That. They were the days. And it was hosted by... That's a no for me, dog. The big... It's, the, the, the host of the show was Ryan, Ryan Seacrest. Seacrest. Uh, well, Variety is reporting that the new host of the show 
is going to be Ryan Seacrest. They're bringing Seacrest back to host American Except on Idol New Year's on. because he's busy. That's right. He's, he's too busy. I mean, he's got so many jobs. He's the host of Live with Kelly and Ryan, with Kelly Ripa. He's uh, got all kinds of other jobs that he does, but they're saying that he's going to come Doesn't back. Doesn't he have a clothing line like Ivanka? I don't know. Jamie, do you, Jamie would know. Do you know if he has uh, a clothing line? Who? Ryan Seacrest. Uh, probably. I'm sure he has like Check a cologne. Out. He I probably think... has like a cologne line or something. Probably. I think he's got like jeans or something like that. I don't know. I I'm I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm not a big I'm not a big I'm not a big fan. Are they toddler size jeans? <laughs> he's a very small man. Anyway, if if, if you care small about hands. America, if you care about American Idol, uh you'll you'll have Ryan Seacrest as your host. Well, here's some good news. Uh, there is a new study from the U- European Journal of Epidemiology. And they said mm-hmm. it's okay to eat full fat cheese. It might not be the healthiest thing in the world, but it will not raise your chance of heart attacks. People say you eat all this cheese, it clogs your arteries, it's not good for you. And again, they point out that it's not the greatest thing in the world, but if you're going to eat cheese, you might as well eat the full fat cheese, not the low fat garbage. You know, mm-hmm. there, are, there are those things out there that's not going to help you at all. Okay. Cheese Good. is cheese is cheese. All right. Cowgirl Creamery. That's my recommendation. Cowgirl Creamery. Red go Hawk. online and get it. Red Hawk is the best. Mount Tam is also very, very, very good. good. Uh, and they're like, uh, they're just the best cheeses in the world. Good I'm a big cheese freak. So, I'm. listen, I don't care. Heart attack or not, I'm not going to give up cheese. <laughs> I could have told you this would have caused more heart attack. <laughs> I, I would have said, bring it on, baby. Fair. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, everybody? On Thursday, May 11, welcome. Welcome to the program of The Bill Press Show. How about it? Great to see you today. Great to be with you and good to have you with us here as we kick off our uh, two-hour roundup of the news of the day, coast-to-coast, looking at you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. That's where you sign up if you haven't already done so. We're looking at you on Free Speech TV. Happy to join you out in Chicago, in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. And uh, don't forget, if you can't catch every minute of the show, you can catch up with a podcast every day. Go to iTunes or to Bill Press Show, uh, BillPressShow.com, and find us there. And our new feature with all kinds of extra stuff we're going to be putting up exclusively over and above our two hours together every day, exclusive content on Patreon, patreon.com slash BP show. How about it? It is a one-story town, a one-story day these days. James Comey continues to dominate the news, and it filled Washington yesterday from one end to the other with activity and with comment and with action and with a a very passionate plea on the part of more and more people for a special prosecutor to take over this entire question. And the briefing yesterday at the White House was unfreaking believable. I was there and watching, uh, by the way, Sean Spicer is off on Naval Reserve Reserve duty, kind of good for him. 
But what a weird week for him to be away. Right? I bet sure. he is thrilled I'll that he doesn't bet, have to deal with this crap. I'll, but you know what? He if if he is scrubbing a deck <laughs> or peeling potatoes, he probably feels it's a better deal than having to face the White House press corps <laughs> um, <laughs> and hide in the bushes in order to escape. Uh, yes. By the way, I did visit the uh, hiding in the bushes site. Oh, yeah? Yes. Uh, yesterday on my way out of the White House. Uh, a real great moment in American history. Real great We're really all going to go history. visit there later on. You may on. remember, I've not heard that story, but it was the day the Comey um, news broke after the briefing, late in the day. Uh, but reporters wanted to get some comments out of Sean Spicer, and he wanted to make some comments, but he wanted to be sure he was not on camera. Uh, and so he actually physically hid in the bushes uh, in back of what we call um, the, uh, well, where the, where the, all the cameras, damn, Pebble, Beach, Pebble Beach, Pebble Beach, right in back of Pebble Beach until one of the press aides came out and made sure there were no lights on, no cameras, and then <laughs> Sean Spicer walked out of the bushes and took a few questions. By the way, the Washington Post yesterday changed <laughs> this during the day. They changed it from in the bushes to among the bushes. Oh, ah. I see. So the oh. accurate term is Sean Spicer was among the bushes. Among the bushes. <laughs> But not we don't mean among the Bush family. We mean yes, literally among the bushes. At any rate, the sure. Brief, the, yeah, sure. The briefing was uh, pretty wild. But before even arrived at the White House, and there was a huge protest going on on Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, the Democratic Chair uh, Tom Perez was there, leading uh, a chant of, uh, of thousands of people there. Wake up and smell the cover up. And if you fo- and if you follow us on uh, Twitter, which you definitely should do, right? Um, you saw the, uh, some of the signs, pictures of signs that I sent out yesterday. Uh, I, I I do find the signs at these protests, s- starting with the women's march, even before that. But uh, well, the one thing we can be proud of on the left, we have better signs than they do. Our people are a without lot, a doubt. Our signs without people a are a lot more creative. Uh, the one sign I sent out yesterday was. Uh, this mofo has to go. Uh, another guy had a sign, Nixon Redux, of course, related to the Saturday Night Massacre. Uh, golden Rule, not Golden Showers, <laughs> which reminded oh, us of that tape we still haven't heard. Not the ta- yeah, the tape we still haven't seen or heard uh, that allegedly the British intelligence agency <laughs> found of Donald Trump uh, and his little um, um, playtime in Moscow, uh, <laughs> shall we say. Uh, and uh, well, oh, oh, and then there was this big effigy of Donald Trump, which was pretty good. Oh, I saw it that. It was one. huge, towering over the crowd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it was either Donald Trump or Alec Baldwin. I wasn't sure which one it was. <laughs> anyway, but inside, that was outside. Inside at the briefing, again, it was surreal. Okay. And here was the gist of it Sarah Huckabee Sanders leading the briefing. And it went on not very long, maybe a half an hour. And the message was this. Message was, we want you to believe. We want the American people to believe that Donald Trump fired James Comey because he was too mean to Hillary Clinton. Period. That's what she said in so many ways over and over again. Uh, to the point that I had my hand up at one point, and, and I, that's the question I was going to ask. Okay. I've listened to you. 
I've read the president's letter. I've read Rod Rosenstein's letter. I read Jeff, Jeff Sessions' letter. Do you really expect the American people to believe that Donald Trump fired James Comey because he was too mean to Hillary Clinton? That is just so ludicrous. It's laugh out loud funny. It is not doesn't pass the straight face test and how they can stand there and make that argument. I just and expect anybody except Donald Trump's diehard supporters, the same people who wouldn't do anything if he went out on Fifth Avenue in his own words and shot a guy and shot a guy. They wouldn't care. Uh, so his own supporters believe that. But who else possibly believes that? At any rate, it was, um, and uh, tr Trump yesterday for the first time, before we get to the briefing actually, he, Trump in the, in the Oval Office when reporters came in and he was sitting there with Henry Kissinger, Ooh, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, Trump said, okay, why did, you, why did I fire him? Here's why I fired him. He wasn't doing a good job, very simply. He was not doing a good job. He was not doing a good job, meaning he was still insisting on investigating me and I didn't like that and I want that investigation to go away and so since he wouldn't shut down the investigation on his own I decided the only way to get to stop the investigation is to fire James Comey that's what that all meant you know the the, the well, I know you're going to get into the briefing but Sarah Huckabee Sanders stood up at the podium yesterday and accuse James Comey of, co quote, committing atrocities. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to hear that. Now. Yeah. Atrocities. Now, considering how Trump handled Michael Flynn and called him a good man and didn't do anything wrong, but he had to go, and compared to compare that to James Comey, who was doing his job and got accused of Committing atrocities. Let's think about that. When you think about atrocities, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll hear yeah, that. But, but like, you, oh, you've no. got to do better. You can't just keep the bar at, he wasn't doing a good job, no. he committed atrocities. <laughs> Why? What specifically did he do that caused you to fire him? Because if the answer is because he did a bad job in handling the Hillary Clinton emails, you have no leg no, to stand No, it says too mean to Hillary. <laughs> this said by the man who, of course, accused her of criminal conduct, said she is guilty as hell, and led chance of lock her up. Irony is dead. So at the briefing, um, it was uh, Sarah Sanders who said, first of all, this didn't start just last week. Uh-uh. And this is the first time the, the White House, by the way, has kept changing its stories. story. They said originally, they really wanted us to believe, again, that, Donald Trump may not have liked James Comey, but he wasn't going to do anything until Monday, Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein come in, Deputy Attorney General, who was just confirmed two weeks ago, that they came into the Oval Office and told Donald Trump, you know what, we've looked at James Comey and the way he handled Hillary Clinton, and we really think he ought to be fired. And Donald Trump said, oh, go back and put that in writing. And they did, and they came back Tuesday, and then Donald Trump made up his mind to fire him. That's that's total nonsense. That is a big, again, big fat lie. And now they change the story. So Sarah Sanders yesterday says, actually, it was a long time ago that Donald Trump decided he wanted to get rid of James Comey. The president had lost, uh, again, like I said, he'd lost confidence in Director Comey. And frankly, he'd been considering letting Director Comey go since the day he was elected. Since the day he was elected. 
last November, she says, he was uh, considering this. Uh, and you know, raises the question uh, about the timing again. If he started since last November, what the hell took him so long? And why didn't he do it on day one? Why did he wait until the investigation starts picking up speed uh, and then firing him? Uh, Sarah Sanders saying yesterday again, Peter, to your point, um, Comey, Comey had to go because of all the, <clears throat> here's the word, atrocities. I think also having a letter like the one that he received uh, and having that conversation that outlined the basic uh, just atrocities in uh, circumventing the chain of command in the Department of Justice. The atro- You know, when you think of atrocities, I think of atrocities, I think of the uh, uh, the criminal squads in Africa, right, that sure. are slaughtering thousands, That's of, an atrocity. thousands of people, right? Or maybe... Uh, uh, Bashar al-Assad using chemical weapons against his own people. That's right? an atrocity. That's an atrocity. Sure. Or the the, the, the murder squads in El Salvador uh, rounding up political opponents and, and executing them in the middle of the night. Atrocities. What Duterte is doing in the Philippines, sending out the, the killer squads, right, against the alleged drug dealers or drug users. Atrocity. Atro- uh, the atrocity. He, he's coming to the White House, though. So. <laughs> it's oh, that's true. true. Yeah. I mean, an atrocity is not as much as we would criticize James Comey for having that news conference last July and reopening the investigation in October 28th. It's hardly an atrocity. I don't want to be too cute here, but Merriam-Webster defines atrocity as yeah. an extremely wicked or cruel act, typically one involving physical violence or injury. There you go. That's right. the, that is the definition of atrocity. This from an administration that did not recognize the Armenian genocide right. just weeks ago. And had a very difficult time full-throatedly acknowledging the Holocaust. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, An they, actual atrocity. No, they weren't atrocities. What James Comey did was an atrocity. She really had to think about and it, too. Watch. The basic uh, just atrocities. Yeah, right. <laughs> she had time to take that back. And then she goes on to say, and again, this is all part of this BS that the, that the firing had Nothing to do with the investigation. It was all about his bungling of the Clinton uh, email investigation. And so then Sarah says, and Donald Trump has said the same thing, tweeting this out. Well, if you know, we know Democrats don't like Comey. Why aren't they dancing in the streets? I think it's startling that uh, Democrats aren't celebrating this since they've been calling for it for so long. That is such an outrageous connection here they're trying to make. But that's what Trump and that's what Mitch McConnell and that's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday were all trying to do is to shift this over to the Democrats. So let's let's just deal with it right right up front. Look, are we big fans of James Comey? Hell no. I think James Comey should have. I said this yesterday. James Comey should have been fired by Barack Obama last July. He's an inept, incompetent FBI director. He should have been fired, if not in July, then in October by Barack Obama. Yes, for the way he handled the Clinton emails. But Barack Obama didn't fire him for that. And Donald Trump didn't fire him for that. You can be a Democrat and not like James Comey and be critical of James Comey. And at the same time, that doesn't mean you support Donald Trump's firing of James Comey the way he did it when he did it, 
and how he did it. Because Donald Trump fired James Comey for one reason. He fired James Comey because Comey would not let go of the FBI investigation. Trump, and it's spelled out this morning, read this story, if nothing else, Glenn Thresher's story in the New York Times, about Trump was just obsessed with this Russian investigation. Every time he watched cable TV, except for Fox, that's what people were talking about. He couldn't stand it. He wanted it to go away. He was pissed off at Comey because Comey wouldn't, would not end the was was pursuing the investigation. He was pissed off at Comey because Comey would not agree. In fact, he said it never happened that Barack Obama tapped his phones at Trump Tower, and then he was pissed off at Comey last Wednesday because Comey on Capitol Hill said how badly he felt about that that what he did on October 28 might have impacted the presidential election. Trump took that as a slur against him. Uh, and then finally, again, as reported on good, great sources by the New York Times, last Sunday, watching the Sunday shows when he was up in Bedminster, New Jersey, what, what does Donald Trump see? More talk about the Russian connection and news that Comey is actually speeding up the not, not speeding up, but getting more serious about the investigation. They sent out subpoenas. He had requested more money because they were going to take more time and it was going to be more serious work. And at that point, what, ha what really happened is Donald Trump calls in Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein and says, Comey's got to go. We got to get rid of Comey. Go back. And Trump told this to Senator Dianne Feinstein. She reported in a phone call to her. He instructed Rosenstein and Jeff Sessions to go back to the Department of Justice. Come back tomorrow, he said, and put it in writing as to give me, give me some reasons. Give me a phony case that I can make for firing James Comey. And Jeff Sessions delivered, by the way, thereby violating his own rule because Jeff Sessions said, I recuse myself from anything having to do with the Russian investigation because of my meetings with Ambassador Kislyak. Uh, Jeff Sessions <laughs> jumped into the Russian investigation big time when he recommended firing the guy in charge of it. Uh, so uh, Sessions and Rod Rosenstein, who had a pretty good reputation, but boy, did he fall on his sword for yeah. Donald Trump. And he he was confirmed two weeks ago. And he comes in with this BS letter uh, making all the case about, again, the FBI, uh, the email, uh, Hillary Clinton email uh, investigation and the way Trump, Comey handled that as the excuse for firing him. They handed it to Trump. Trump signed off on it. Uh, and they, uh, and then he was fired later that afternoon before most people in the White House even knew it was going to happen. Chuck Schumer said it yesterday. This, you know, the idea of, of that Clinton emails had anything to do with it, don't buy it for a second. There is little reason to think that Mr. Rosenstein's letter is the true reason that President Trump fired Director Comey. Uh, right. And uh, Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut also weighing in, saying what a serious moment this is in our history. It is a looming constitutional crisis because it involves a potential confrontation, as did Watergate, between the president and other branches of government. And it may well produce another United States versus Nixon, 
on a subpoena that went to the United States Supreme Court. It may well produce impeachment proceedings, although we're very far from that possibility. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren also weighing in, uh, talking about, again, uh, what a moment in our history is and where we need to go from here. This is a moment in history. Donald Trump has tried to put himself above the law. And that's not how it works in America. The way it works in America is that investigations are independent, no matter how powerful you are, and that everyone has to follow the law. Yeah. Now, the question now is really, okay, what does happen next? And I think it's pretty clear. There's no doubt. There are, now I know at the, at the briefing yesterday, Sarah Sanders said, uh, uh, we don't need any special prosecutor. We want the investigation to continue. Yeah, yeah. She says that. And just two days ago, by the way, Donald Trump tweeted out, quote, the Russian Trump collusion story is a total hoax. When will this taxpayer funded charade end? Well, he tried to make it end by firing James Comey. Back to what's got to happen next. Look, there are, in theory, three investigations going on. The House Intelligence Committee, which basically fell apart under Devin Nunes and has never gotten its act back together again. The Senate Intelligence Committee, under Mark Warner and Richard Burr, um, as we learned last week, they don't even have anybody working on this case full time. They did issue some subpoenas yesterday. It's probably the best of the three efforts going on right now because the third one, the FBI investigation is dead in the water. It's it's done. I mean, it's and I don't think it'll ever get restarted again. With Comey out, that investigation is dead in its tracks. And do you really believe that Donald Trump is going to appoint a new FBI director who will pick up that investigation and continue it? No freaking way. And do you think Jeff Sessions will recommend anybody or accept anybody who's not going who's who's going to take that uh, investigation seriously no way there's only one way forward i believe uh well we have a choice i think as an american people we are either going to get to the bottom of this the only way possible which is by the appointment of a special prosecutor an independent special prosecutor or we're going to allow uh, a crazy, crazy guy in the White House to cooperate with a, an enemy of the United States, a foreign government with Russia, to undermine our democratic system and basically steal an election and get away with it. That, to me, that, they're the choices. Are we going to safeguard our democracy or not? It is a constitutional crisis. And here's, what, here's what's so... Uh, telling about this, if you will, is that the only the man who can make that decision is the same guy who wrote the memo to Donald Trump, Rod Rosenstein, because he is the deputy attorney general. He is in charge of the Russian invest. The FBI, in other words, reports to him because Jeff Sessions has recused himself. Uh, very strong piece in The New York Times this morning, a letter to Rod Rosenstein as their lead editorial saying, OK, you you were disconfirmed. You uh, embarrassed yourself and basically destroyed your reputation by writing that phony memo to Donald Trump. Here's how you can save yourself and here's how you can save the country. Name a special prosecutor because only you have 
the authority and the power to do it. Uh, and so, you know, it's sort of like the whole thing now is in his lap. Think about that. Yeah. But so much is at stake. That's depressing. So much is at stake. And if he doesn't do it, you know, there's a chance that maybe, maybe the Congress would appoint an independent commission. Uh, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. No. With Mitch McConnell in charge, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And again, so much rides on this that one man's decision, Rod Rosenstein, whether we, our, uh, our whole electoral system remains uh, together and intact, whether uh, our, we can believe in our democracy and our um, electoral system again or not, or whether it's just at the mercy of anybody who wants to come in and interfere or any Americans who want to um, hook up and team up with our enemies to undermine the uh, a, a presidential election. That's what happened this time. Where do we go from here? I thought it was um, uh, very interesting yesterday with Sarah Sanders. This this is, th- again, on the part of the White House, they're kind of pretending that actually we want this investigation to continue. Sarah Sanders, we want it to continue. We want to get it behind us. There's no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, and we'd love for that to be completed so that we can all move on and focus on the things that, frankly, I think most of Americans are concerned with. That is so... (laughs) There's so much wrong with that. So that we can all move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't want this... Yeah, they do want this investigation behind them. Of course they do. That's why they fired Comey. But they don't want it behind them so they can move on and do other things. They want it behind them because they know if the investigation continues that they're going to be in serious trouble. Uh, uh, and again, in fact, this the firing of Comey came, reminding ourselves, just a couple of hours after the FBI issued the first subpoenas for the business records of Michael Flynn and a couple of days after James Comey had gone to Rod Rosenstein and said, this is getting more serious we need more resources uh, to step up this in investigation. And that's when Donald Trump heard that. <clears throat> he said, uh-uh, let's pull the plug right now. Uh, and by the way, this one uh, final point was, well, what is Donald Trump doing with this day yesterday? Well, on the very day that the Russian connection all comes back and the White House is denying again, there was no need for this investigation because there is no Russian connection between anybody in our administration and Russia, Donald Trump, yucks it up in the Oval Office with the foreign minister of Russia, uh, Mr. Lavrov, and with the ambassador, the Russian ambassador to the United States, Sergei Kislyak, the same man that Michael Flynn and Jeff Sessions and Jared Kushner all were buddy buddies with and started this whole mess in the first place. And they yucked it up for, I don't know, half pardon me, half an hour in the Oval Office. You see the pictures of them all laughing and joking and everything. Not one American reporter was allowed in. The only people who got any pictures of that session were the official Russian photographer who was given free reign of the Oval Office and could take any pictures he wanted. Not one American reporter or photographer was allowed into the Oval Office. So basically turning the Oval Office over to his buddies and the White House announcing yesterday that Trump is going to be meeting with Vladimir Putin in May, uh, at some the upcoming upcomings, not May. Uh, I think it's 
June or July, some upcoming summit. Whether or not Donald Trump is guilty of working with Russia to sway the election in his favor, I don't know. And I think that there needs to be an investigation we need to, to find make out. that happen. However, for him to fire James Comey and then the next day meet with the, the next day yeah. yeah have Russians in the Oval Office and outlaw American press from seeing them. This unbelievable. He's acting guilty. Yeah. Whether or not he's guilty, I don't know. He's acting like a guilty man. Not only that, on the day that he's accused of doing something very Nixonian <laughs> by firing the guy who's uh, the first time since and the only other time that any president has done what Nixon did, which is fire the guy who is investigating your own administration. Very Nixonian. Shades of Richard Nixon and the Saturday Night Massacre. Who does Donald Trump also meet with? Henry Kissinger, Nixon's Secretary of State. Talk about acting guilty. I right. mean, that's a little on the nose, guys. Oh, yeah. Am I like Nixon? No, I'm not like Nixon. That's why I'm meeting with Henry Kissinger <laughs> to get some advice on how to be more like Nixon. It's I mean, too much. It is, absolutely. It's oh, too much. Man. How do we get uh, that guy out of there? I don't know. Debbie Hines joins us next, uh, trial lawyer, legal analyst, one of our favorites here, to talk about some of the legal implications of this mess that we're in and how we get out of it. Stay tuned. The basic uh, just atrocities. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. How about it? Thursday, May 11. So good to see you today. Thanks for being part of the program, the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and our studio on Capitol Hill. Joining on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, and also on Free Speech TV and WCPT out in the Chicago area, brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Hope you never need them, but if you do, you know they are there protecting American families on the front lines every single day of the year. The great men and women, the firefighters of America, under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program, and direct you to their website, iaff.org to find out more about the great work that they're doing. Uh, I, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that we are in the middle of a constitutional crisis, which raises all kinds of legal questions, which, why, which is why we need the good wisdom and advice of Debbie Hines, our own uh, legal analyst here on the Bill Press Show. Debbie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, so what do you think uh, the... The Justice Department coming up with this uh, rationale for uh, firing James Comey. Is the Justice Department doing its job or just doing whatever Donald Trump wants? You know, the story keeps changing 
quite a bit. So yeah. at first it looked like it's the Justice Department, you know, Sessions, who had said he wasn't going to even be involved anymore with the investigation. And then Rod Rosenstein, who hasn't even yet been confirmed as the deputy attorney general. Um, but it kind of looks like if, you know, the, the story keeps changing and that evidently it's not as much on the Justice Department as it really is on um, Donald Trump. But he, uh, 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 the latest story is. Right, it's the latest <laughs> You're one. You're right. Yeah. The first story was they came to him and right. said, we have to get rid of Comey. And he said, put it in writing. And then, and then he agreed. Now, now they admit that Donald Trump wanted to fire Comey right. from day one. So he told them, in effect, I want to get rid of him. Tell me how I can do it. Right. Or tell me, give me some reasons why I should do it. But that. That historically is not the role of the Justice Department, right? Exactly. And honestly, if Donald Trump had done it back uh, in January and used it as the basis for what Comey is now saying made him mildly nauseous about yeah, the Hillary right. Clinton emails. And if he had done it at that time, I don't think it would have been any problem. Obviously, he wasn't going to do it at that time, but it would not have been any problem. That's what the Democrats want. And, you know, if he had said, oh, just to be fair, I mean, I kind of think this makes me mildly nauseous about him coming out. And I wanted to make sure that we have an independent FBI director. It wouldn't be a problem. But now that Comey's investigating uh, the Trump administration and any collusion with Russia and and looking like they're trying to speed it up and needing more money, it becomes a really serious problem to fire him at this time. By the way, I just want to point out that what you just said, you know, is not a partisan uh, opinion about this. Richard Burr, Republican, North Carolina, the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, made that very point yesterday about the timing here he is the timing of it and and the reasoning of it make no sense to me uh just before that jamie where he had said yeah the dags letter dealt with an election uh issue that was from last year if that was the impetus behind this it should have been done uh on inauguration day exactly yeah exactly what you said it should have been done on right. inauguration, and everybody would have understood it Exactly. And by and, the way, Hillary Clinton might have done the same thing. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and it would have it would have made credible sense at that point in time right. and it would have added legitimacy in the eyes of many Americans to his presidency if he had done it right. in January. Yeah. But now, clearly, after, you know, Donald Trump tweeted uh, just a couple of days ago, quote, the Russian Trump collusion story is a total hoax. When will this taxpayer-funded charade end? You know, he's obsessed with getting this story behind him, and he sees, he blames the media, of course. The fake uh, media. Fake media. Um, For alternative facts. The lying, dishonest media. For alternative facts. The failing New York Times. (laughs) But he also blamed Comey because Comey's the one conducting the investigation and won't let go, and as you point out, uh, he even asked for more money. We need more resources because it's getting more serious. They issued their first subpoenas. He's right. up testifying in front of Congress and acknowledges that we are investigating the Trump administration. Right. Um, and uh, and so Donald Trump knows, I, it's pretty clear to me, isn't it, to you, 
that he fired Comey because he thinks that's the most direct way to bring this thing to a dead dead halt. Well, that too, and the fact that he just has to stop this train somehow because he can see this train is speeding up. Comey wants to do wanted to do more, right. so this train is not even slow or going back to the station. It is barreling right down the track, and so he just wanted to just stop everything, which it backfired. But. Doesn't it, in effect, stop anything? I mean, how can they continue this investigation with no Comey? The FBI, in effect. Well, they can. And this is the thing I loved. I don't know if you saw the tweet from um, Eric Holder uh, last night where he no, basically t- he tweeted out to uh, the men and women of the Department of Justice and the agents of the FBI. That's what was worded in the tweet. And he said, um, do your job. Be unafraid. Be courageous. Duty, honor, courage, country. Duty, honor, country. And so I think that he's signaling, as well as other people, do your job. Do what you have to do, what you were appointed to do, what you're in the office to do. And this is a time to rise to the occasion and do what you have a duty to this country and what you have the honor to do. So, yes, they can continue getting the subpoenas and doing, you know, whatever. They don't have to, like, come to a full stop and just wait for an FBI director. Now, at some point in time, they can't make any ultimate decisions, but in terms of issuing subpoenas, and going about their work and doing the things that were already set up in the plan, they can continue to do that right now today. Wouldn't but, Jeff wouldn't Jeff Sessions shut him down if they if he saw that they were doing this? I think that if that were he, to happen, mm-hmm. I think we really rise to a constitutional crisis if that were to happen. Because it's an investigation that's ongoing. Yeah. So like I said, they can't, the, the, the staff persons can't make any um, ultimate decisions. But in terms of doing your job, I mean, Peter can still do his job in the absence of you being here. And that's the way it would work. No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like they're just going to be sitting around, you know, um, looking at a staring at a blank computer. They're still going to be doing the things that they were doing and issuing subpoenas, continuing the investigation. It's just that there is no person right now that's over it that can make any ultimate decisions. I'm not sure that Trump feels the heat on him necessarily, like he thinks that they're on to him and there's something he's trying to hide or whatever. I really honestly believe that he's just annoyed that he has to continue answering questions on Russia and he wants it to go away and he wants people to stop bringing it up and he hates the narrative that's out there. And so that's why he did it, which doesn't make it okay at all. But the one thing that Trump, who fancies himself a master of the media, I think doesn't get out of all this is if he thought that the leaks coming out before this were bad, right? They're about to get really bad. Oh, they've been coming. I, I, is what I would guess. Oh, I they've mean, been coming fast and furious. Yeah. That's why you know I woke up this morning. I'm like, oh my god, has anything changed from like 11 o'clock last night? Because yeah, they right. were coming out pretty. I mean, they were coming out as panelists were on CNN last night. You know, they were getting breaking news as they were sitting there on leaks. So. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, misunderstood that. But I disagree with you on the other point that you made, because I do think that 
you know, Donald Trump knows what he's done. It's not like it's in the dark. And he knows, you know, probably to a certain extent what those in his administration right. have done and those in his campaign has done. So I think he feels the heat. I don't think he's just annoyed at, at Comey because the investigation looks like it's speeding up and accelerating. I think he feels the heat. And that's why he's annoyed. I mean, he uh, knows sure. they're on to something. No, I, I do, too. And I also would uh, uh, my unsolicited advice to Donald Trump is if you do not want stories about the Russian connection to continue, then you should not be meeting with the Russian ambassador <laughs> and the Russian foreign minister in the Oval Office on with the day after you fire James Comey with the American press excluded and only the Russian press invited in. That might keep the Russian collusion story alive uh, just right. a little bit just a little bit that's all that's all i'm saying don't you think and you know he's going to uh, be meeting with uh putin putin right coming, coming up, up in a, so a month that's or certainly so, not right. i mean that's certainly going to add even more fuel to the fire um sarah sanders at the briefing yesterday said uh sarah huckabee sanders uh lest we forget how she really got the job um said that um that the, the I lost my oh lost my thought oh no I know about the FBI that the FBI staff and the agents are thrilled that Comey is gone that they had they had lost all confidence in him and they're happy that Donald Trump fired him is that what you hear I haven't heard that but I guess you know you have to do what you have to do when you're spinning because I've heard just facts. the yeah. I've heard just the opposite yeah you know uh, New York Times this morning says inside FBI a darkening mood. Right. And like I said, I think that's why Eric Holder tweeted out to them last night to basically let them know that they have to continue to do their job, that they have to be unafraid, they have to be courageous, and this is their moment to do it. Uh, one senior FBI official told the New York Times that the president had severely, by firing coming, severely damaged his standing among FBI agents many of whom are conservative and had actually supported Trump as a candidate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, his ratings have now gone down even before this because the so, polls are not based on what happened yesterday or the day before, but his ratings had gone down even among uh, white men and white non-college educated men. Those and that's the support. Those are his peeps. Those are his people. Yeah, those are his peeps. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was before coming. So we don't, I mean, we don't know what it will be down to now among his peeps. All right. So there is still the looming question about whether or not, and we have to be honest, we do not know evidence, whether or not there was collusion between the Trump campaign team and Russians, whom we know, do know were hacking right. and trying to influence this election. We've got to get to the bottom of that, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, now, this is democracy. How, how are we going to do it? The House Intelligence Committee? I doubt it, right? Would you agree? I agree. I definitely agree on that one. The Senate Intelligence Committee? Better, no. th better no. than the House. But, they're much better. They're but, much better. But still, right. I don't put, I don't right. put faith right. in them. Uh, though the, the FBI investigation or a special prosecutor? We need a special prosecutor, and the special prosecutor um, ultimately, and I do believe there will ultimately be one appointed, not today, do and not, yeah. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do, because uh, the train is rolling. Um, but ultimately, when one is appointed, they're going to be appointed, um, assuming he's confirmed, by the Deputy Attorney General, uh, Rod Rosenstein. That's the person that would appoint. And he has credibility. I mean, even though— Well, um, he, he had— has, 
he, credibility uh, until he wrote this memo. Do you think he has any? We left? don't know all the circumstances around he how threatened he wrote. To, did he, he, he threatened, threatened to, to quit. Re, quit. He threatened to quit because if Trump the White it, House is saying right, that it's all it was on his him. idea. It's all on him. Right. I think he did. We don't know all the backstory, so I think he did write the letter, but the letter is based on a set of circumstances, as you know him. And I don't think anybody can dispute that Comey at some point in time, like we said, back in January, should have been fired. So if he's basing it on that, then that would be true. I think he should have been fired last July by Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we definitely should have nipped that in the bud, you right. know, then. Yeah. Then we would yeah. have never had the uh, yeah. October 11-day uh, surprise. Yeah, but, right. But I, I think that uh, the reputation that Rod Rosenstein, I don't think it's been tarnished uh, by Trump in the, the brief time that he's been there. And he was the one that would appoint the special prosecutor eventually. Yeah, in fact. So the um, you're, no, he, he's because Sessions has recused himself. Right. Rosenstein, Steen, Rosenstein, let's say, is in charge of the investigation. He oversees. He is the guy that wrote right. that memo. We don't know all the circumstances. The uh, New York Times this morning, a letter to the Deputy Attorney General, mm. and they're saying basically it's all in your hands, dude. Exactly. And and you've got to you've got to save the country, God, and save your reputation by doing the right thing and appointing a special prosecutor. And the Maryland legislators that know him, um, they they basically support him, and they've had more dealings with him, and they support him. And I think that, yeah, it's in his hands to do that, and we'll just have to see. But, of course, you know, if one's appointed, since we're no longer really playing by all the rules in the game, who knows if Trump would then decide to fire that person. Right. Uh, the New York Times is saying here again, at this fraught moment, you find yourself improbably to be the person with the most authority to dispel the cloud that hangs over this, this election, right, and restore America's confidence in their government. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if he's, if, if he's up to it. Um, Assuming he doesn't quit before. Yeah. No. Right. Um, Exactly. Uh, the only other avenue would be a potentially an independent commission, um, a, a congress like John McCain has been calling for an right. independent committee. Uh, I'm sorry of the uh, of House and bipartisan House and Senate members. But Mitch McConnell would have to agree to that. Yeah, They'll never I, agree to I, it. I mean, but. we need a special prosecutor because even with all these independent commissions, I mean. They cannot prosecute. They can only make recommendations. I mean, that's what's going on with the House, which isn't doing much of anything. And with the Senate, they can only make recommendations. I mean, through the Department of Justice and the special prosecutors, they're issuing subpoenas right now without the special prosecutor in the Eastern District of Virginia. And they can enforce subpoenas and they can decide and make recommendations to the Department of Justice to prosecute, which is not exactly the authority that the House um, or the Senate really has. There's also, um, I guess, let's be honest, there's a possibility that if Rosenstein looks like he's going to do this, Trump could fire him. 
Yes. Right? I mean, Trump just appears that he can do anything to obstruct justice, which is what that really is. If there is an investigation and you are a regular person, no one is above the law, and that includes the president of the United States. He is the same as you, I, Peter, and anyone else. And if there is an investigation, <laughs> no, he thinks differently. He thinks he's the CEO of the United States. But if there is an investigation, an ongoing investigation, and you are doing something in your capacity to impede that investigation, it can rise to the level of a criminal obstruction of justice charge. And so he's weaving himself very close to that line if he keeps firing people. You know, he fired Brett Bahar in New York. He fired Sally Yates and he fired Comey. I mean, if he keeps firing people, there's no other way to look at it that this president is trying to obstruct justice, whether he thinks so or not. And at that point, what's the solution? Impeachment hearings? I think that we need to ultimately get to the bottom of what's going on. I mean, I, I even though many are you know, calling, obviously, for impeachment, we need to actually get to the bottom of what's going on in terms of how much involvement, if any, there was with, between Russia and the Trump administration, uh, Russia and the, the election. I mean, we still need to get to the bottom of everything. But obviously, a president can be removed if they are convicted of any criminal act. And I'm saying that if he continues um, down a reckless course of obstruction of justice, which I believe he's very close to that at this point, he could be charged with that. One of the... Uh, so, so this issue clearly is dominating, uh, dominating the news these days to the extent that nobody's talking about anything else. Um, but in the middle of that, um, you know, there is other stuff going on. Um, it was reported yesterday, again, front page of the New York Times, that one thing Jeff Sessions is doing is working uh, at the Justice Department to roll back the efforts by that started under President Obama and Eric Holder to um, take a different look at um, drug sentencing for people right. convicted of crimes with, um, with nonviolent drug crimes. Right. Um, I mean, that is one area, right, where we've made... A lot of progress. progress. Uh, one area with a lot of racist overturn, overturns because of the people who are more right. likely to be picked up and charged and convicted and imprisoned for drug crimes. And receive much higher sentences receive than those higher, that are... Higher sentences. Right. Talk to us about that. I mean, what, what would that mean, rolling that back? What that means, rolling it back, if he were to do that, it means that individuals who had very nominal amounts of drugs who were not violent offenders in any way could end up serving the sentences that people in the past got for 20 and 25 years without having had any record. I mean, there are stories of the, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the actually the NFL football player's mother who was convicted, who had no record. She did not, uh, was not selling drugs, but drugs were in her house um, by another defendant in the house, and because of the archaic laws, she ended up receiving a 20-year sentence. She was, you know, actually um, is either pardoned or commuted, I'm not sure which one, by President Obama, but the fact of the matter is she was in for like 20 years for basically having drugs in her house, and that's what it would mean we would go back to those days. And I mean, this is an issue that uh, everybody from Bernie Sanders to the Koch brothers 
uh, toward the end right. of the Obama administration that last year, they were working on right. reform of the criminal justice system, particularly on these um, just uh, you know outrageous long sentences that people were getting again for nonviolent crimes, filling up our prisons, destroying lives, right. destroying communities and families. Uh, and the sessions wants to go back to the to those dark days. And it's really uh, discrimination because it's not just the drug laws. It's going back to potentially going back to the areas where those individuals who have any small amount of crack cocaine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are sentenced at a much higher rate than those individuals who have powder cocaine. And the result of that is that there's the racial disparity in the fact that there are more African-Americans that are would be likely to have crack cocaine, crack cocaine. versus in the streets white, versus a right versus cocaine. white suburban nights the, uh, and white yeah, those right. living in white small and the, towns and the that are going to have cocaine yeah that are going to have powder cocaine yeah um, and uh, you know God knows what um, Jeff Sessions went on to do also about the pot laws in the states that have also where states have also have already right. legalized the recreational use of marijuana so I mean Sessions is on a is on a tear, right, to undo, I think, all the progress that Holder uh, and Loretta Lynch were able to do under President Obama. And not to say the least of trying to um, review all of the police consent decrees that are being enforced, that are already being enforced in federal courts. And that's something you and I have talked about so many times, where cities have have worked with the Justice Department and have come to an agreement on reform of their police departments, and Jeff Sessions is saying, we don't care if they agreed or not, we're just going to roll all that back, too. Right. That one may be more difficult for him to do because most of those are already within the judicial system, and he really doesn't have control. I mean, he tried to basically want to do that with what was coming out of the Baltimore consent decree, but he doesn't really have as much control over that because it's already in the federal court system. Well, keep on top of that for us, please. I will. Debbie Hines, thank you, thank thank you, you for so coming much. in. We're going to talk infrastructure this with the former Secretary the of Transportation coming up next. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do just search for the Bill Press Show, then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Wake up and smell the cover-up. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Here we are on a Thursday, Thursday, May 11. It is The Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital. That's Washington, D.C. And our studio on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building, about five metro stops away from the White House. We've got both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue covered. Uh, And it's good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We are joined by a a good friend and a man who knows this Capitol well and how it works. 
having worked in the United States Congress representing uh, the people of Illinois and uh, working in the uh, White House as a transportation secretary under President Barack Obama. We welcome a former Congressman Ray LaHood to the studio. Good hey, morning, Congress- Bill. Congressman, Mr. Secretary, whatever. Ray, nice uh, to see yeah. you. Your Excellency. Nice just, to see yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Good to be here. And you are here to help us celebrate Infrastructure Week. Yeah, it starts uh, next Monday, I guess. Next Monday, yeah. right. Yeah, thank you for getting ahead of the curve. <laughs> no, for you. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's a very important issue, uh, a, a very a pressing need for the uh, American people. And we will jump right into it. And, of course, get your comments on Twitter uh, at BP show. Uh, Mr. Secretary, we'll jump right in, but we have a tradition here that Peter Ogburn gives us the stories, top stories at the top of the hour. So, but first, it is, Peter. is the full court. Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. A new Quinnipiac University poll released yesterday shows that Donald Trump's approval rating has reached near record lows. The survey of registered voters found that 36% so that they approve of Trump's job performance compared to 58% who disapprove. Now, this is a slight dip. Uh, it fell from 40% recorded in the same poll that was released in mid-April. Uh, now, this does not really have the Comey thing in it. Uh, it wouldn't really yeah, factor yeah. in because, you know, of course, all those Democrats are going to be so happy with him for firing Comey since they don't like him. So I'm sure his approval rating will go up a lot more <laughs> after that, of course. Uh, but that's the latest from Quinnipiac. 36, it was 40, I think, the last time. It, it was, was 40 yeah. the last time. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, yesterday, Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education, gave a speech to the graduating students at Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach, Florida. It is a historically black college, a historically black university, and they were not happy about having her there. In fact, they booed part of her speech. They stood up, turned their backs to her as she spoke. They eventually just had to shut the speech down. She didn't even Later get a chance today, to finish. Here it is. I will have the honor of visiting Dr. Bethune's home and paying my respects at her gravesite. I am moved by words in her last will and testament. Well, it's unfortunate, but why did they invite her? I guess you know. If, if you're Betsy DeVos, you should probably stay away from historically black colleges and universities. That would probably be wise. Beautiful statue of um, Bethune, Dr. Bethune in uh, Lincoln Park. Right oh, here, yeah. Very close to, oh, yeah, very that's close right. to the studio. Right here, yeah. And uh, another day, another airline incident. This time it's oh, on God. Southwest. A man got into a fight with another guy because he was in his seat. He turned around, and there was a woman who kept hitting his seat or messing with the seat. So he had words with the woman. Her friend was there with her so it turned into a fight as people were getting off of the plane it was all of course throwing punches captured on video it was an actual fight they were throwing haymakers and it was you know it's a tight space in there i'm telling you man people are feeling emboldened now with all these reports of airline incidents it's 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 like the purge in real life but in airports (laughs) and everybody's got their cameras out they're they're uh they're they're i flew to la last sunday and i got on the plane and believe that there was a guy in my seat did you hit him I punched him out. <laughs> yeah, good. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to no, do. You know what I did? I said, oh, you're there? Okay, well, I'll take your seat. I mean, yep. no big deal, right? Right. right. Yeah. It's every man for himself. Yeah, right? <laughs> Anyhow. Next time yes. you got a body slam. Infrastructure. Are we finally going to get serious about a little, quick little break? And we'll jump right into it with Ray LaHood here. 
on your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. What do you say, folks? It's a Thursday, May 11. Uh, yes, indeed, The Bill Press Show. Booming out to you live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill. We're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, joining you also uh, nationwide, coast to coast on Free Speech TV. And so good to be with you on the great WCPT out in Chicago, in the Chicago uh, suburbs. And whether you're listening or watching, it's good to have you with us today to talk about all the news of the day. There really is only one great big story, which is the firing of James Comey and the uh, continuing repercussions from Capitol Hill, from the White House, from around the country to that move by uh, President Trump late on uh, Tuesday. Um, But there are also still important issues facing the country, and we get into one of them in this half hour um, with a good friend, former Secretary of Transportation, uh, Ray LaHood. We worked together when I was at CNN on Crossfire, right. and you were a frequent guest yeah. uh, and members in the, in the Congress. Uh, then used to see you down in the uh, in the briefing room at the White House and right. your job as a transportation secretary. Before we get into the infrastructure thing, as a former member of Congress, former Republican member of Congress, your reaction to the firing of James Comey? You know, I'm not surprised, Bill. I'm not. I'm really not surprised by anything that Trump does. I just think he, um, he he's he's not well staffed. the 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 White House is uh, is, is a mess. Uh, it's in chaos. Uh, obviously, he doesn't consult with uh, uh, his own staff, uh, who were completely caught off guard by this. He reacts to his own emotions and. Uh, his own political instincts, and um, apparently he was um, infuriated by uh, Comey's testimony uh, before the Senate uh, when he said that he was nauseated uh, by having to make a decision about uh, disclosing an investigation about Hillary Clinton uh, during, Mm -hmm. you know, right at the end of the campaign. Uh, And so I I just think uh, this is... uh, this this is Trump, and uh, it's it's the way, it's the way that uh, he behaves. And uh, obviously, there is no one uh, that can uh, talk to him uh, or uh, get him to control his emotions and uh, and act rational. If you were still in the Congress, would you support uh, the appointment of a special prosecutor uh, for the to to examine this Russian? I think in the House it's justified because of the way that the chair of the Intelligence Committee, I served on the Intelligence Committee mm-hmm. for eight years under some very, very strong leaders, uh, strong chairs. and um, uh, Had a reputation as being very independent. At very that independent time. and very bipartisan, Bill, yeah. Uh, yeah. even though the mix was not quite uh, even. Uh, it, it was a very bipartisan committee. There were never any big philosophical differences. I think people um, came to that committee with the idea of, you know, how do we keep America safe? How do we keep the world safe? And uh, and we listened to the professional people about how to do that. I think when uh, Chairman Nunes did what he did, trotted himself down to the White House and shared information with the president or whatever he did, uh, he took himself out of being uh, a, a real legitimate, professional, traditional chairman of the Intelligence Committee, and that's why he was pulled off the investigation. I think in the House it's probably justified. I think uh, Senator Burr, um, mm-hmm. who I know very well, and Senator Warner, who I know very well, 
are doing a great job, are doing a professional job, are doing the job uh, that they're supposed to be doing in the Senate. So it's a mixed, it's yeah, a mixed right. bag in that sense. And I don't know if you can really justify a special prosecutor when you have one body of the Congress doing what they're supposed to be doing in a professional way, getting the facts and letting the facts then determine uh, what will happen in the future while in the House it's just a, it's a mess. And from what you see, do you think the FBI investigation in effect is is dead in the water now with Comey being fired? Well, I, I think they, they have no credibility at this point. Not the agents. The, the agents in the field, whether they're in Russia doing their investigation, whether they're in this country, whether they're looking uh, into uh, you know yeah. things in this country, I think the agents are probably doing a professional job. I think they're getting a lot of mixed signals from yeah. the White House and from the top. But the agency itself has been certainly uh, this, this agency is, is really, it's been tarnished at the top. The way that Comey was fired, uh, the way that the president has acted, uh, the way that uh, this uh, acting attorney general now uh, has put himself uh, into a kind of a position where I think he's, he's lost credibility. Uh, but the Agents that are doing the work, I think, still have a lot of credibility. What are your fellows? Uh, uh, we'll get the infrastructure. I'm just, uh, just good to have you here as a good friend and just to, sure. the, the news of the day. But what do you hear from your Republican friends in the Congress uh, about Donald Trump? Are they enthusiastic? Are they nervous? Well, it's a mixed bag. I mean, some of them, um, I think, uh, particularly those who didn't vote for the so-called, you know, health care bill uh, are, um, you know, they're not in lockstep with him, certainly on that issue and a lot of other issues. And um, I think on, uh, you know, reaching a deal on, you know, getting a budget through September, you know, that, that seemed to be bipartisan. You know, on what he what Trump did in Syria, I think everybody felt was, was justified. Um, but, you know, so it's it's a mixed bag. It depends yeah. on the issues. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of concern today. I haven't talked to any today but mm. or yesterday, but I'm sure there's a lot of concern today about, um, you know, the way this decision was made and how it was made and for what reasons and uh, and um, what, you know, it, it leaves the White House in great jeopardy. So... You and uh, Governor Rendell from Pennsylvania, right, right taking the lead in reminding people uh, about the in, the needs to get serious about our infrastructure. What is the state of America's infrastructure today, would you say? Uh, well, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it an F. Uh, we're like a third world country, Bill. I mean, we that have— bad? Wow. It's bad. 60,000 structurally deficient bridges. Uh, 60,000 really? 60? structurally— 60,000. Our interstate systems are crumbling. These are bridges that are being used today that people are That's using. That's correct. That, that, I mean, not the least of which is the one that leads from Washington, D.C. by the Lincoln Memorial across that bridge. The Memorial Bridge? Yeah, the Memorial Bridge is in a terrible state of disrepair. And it's on a list right now of one of the top bridges that needs repair. And there have been lots of stories where uh, camera crews have gone underneath the bridge and the, the, the steel beams are rotting. And so, uh, and and that's true of a number of uh, bridges, 60,000. Uh, everybody knows our interstates are crumbling. 
we've had some brutal winters, not not necessarily last winter, but prior to that, uh, which have increased uh, the deterioration of the roads. Uh, We have transit systems, again, not the least of which our own here in Washington, D.C., Metro, 40 years old, that haven't kept up with the kind of infrastructure repairs, whether it's on the tracks, whether it's the escalators, whether it's new cars. Uh, and that's that's true uh, all over the country. Uh, 40, 50-year-old transit systems that need new infrastructure. We haven't made the investments because the trust fund, which has funded a lot of this stuff over the last 50 years, is broke, mm-hmm. hasn't been replenished. since Because ni- people are not buying as much gas? Well, because the gas tax ca- hasn't been raised since 1993. And that was the last time the gas tax was raised. Reagan raised the gas tax. Uh, George Herbert Walker Bush raised the gas tax. Clinton raised the gas tax. And uh, and, that, and here we are uh, stuck with a gas tax uh, that doesn't provide near the kind of money that we need to fix up our infrastructure. What would it cost to, 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 to do, to, at least to do a decent repair? Yeah. On our infrastructure. Uh, what we've been promoting is a $0.10 cent a gallon increase and index it. If the gas tax had been indexed in 93 to the cost of living, we wouldn't be having this debate. But mm-hmm. the problem is it hasn't been raised and it hasn't been indexed. We say $0.10 cents a gallon. That gets you about a billion dollars a year. Trump has talked about a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. Uh, you got to raise the gas tax in order to get in to a trillion to to dollars. It. You just yeah. do. Yeah. You can't do it. You, you can't do it with just public-private partnerships, which are fine. We funded a lot of those while I was at DOT. You can't do it with just tolling. You can't do it with just an infrastructure bank, which Obama proposed five different times, and Republicans wouldn't go along with it. Now they seem to think it's a good idea. You have to raise the gas tax and really give the kind of signal that you want to raise a big pot of money to begin to fix up these roads you, and bridges. You mentioned the trillion dollars. I mean— it, Coming into this administration, uh, this is something Bernie Sanders talked about. Right. Hillary Clinton talked about. Barack Obama did when you were there as transportation secretary. Donald Trump has. It right. looked like the one one area where there was a bipartisan right. accord and agreement that this was going to be a top priority. Now, here we are in May. I haven't heard anything about it since January. Yeah. What's well, going on? Is well, there any legislation? Is there any effort to really get moving on this? There's a lot of talk, but not much action, and mainly because— uh, the Trump people wanted to, and 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 the leadership wanted to start off with health care, which yeah. ended up being a flop. It's still a flop past one house. They're there's not no, the first president to make that mistake. No, right? that's right. That's right. <laughs> now they're talking about tax cuts. Yeah, they're trying to find some cash cow to fund their tax cuts, and uh, so as a part of tax reform. Uh, you could you could talk about increasing the gas tax and you could talk about an infrastructure bill, whether they will or not. All of these distractions here this last few days Doesn't. obviously takes away from infrastructure agenda, some kind of tax reform agenda, anything else, in, any agenda. Right. So we're, but, we're 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 in a mess because people aren't really aren't really addressing it. There's a lot of talk about it, mm-hmm. but there's not much action. No, I hadn't seen any. I was wondering if you'd seen any. I remember yeah. when you were uh, Secretary of Transportation, You were. we played a lot of clips of you saying, the roads are not partisan. The roads right. are bipartisan. Our infrastructure is bipartisan. Donald Trump last week floated the idea of raising the gas tax, and he immediately got some pushback from his party. 
Will Republicans go for a gas tax? I think if the president pushed hard for it, that uh, they could they could figure out a way to do it. Uh, they could figure out a way to get the votes. And my my point in continuing the drumbeat that infrastructure is bipartisan and that there are no Republican or Democratic bridges or Republican or Democratic roads is that when you look at the time that I served in Congress in the late 90s, we passed two six-year bills under Chairman Bud Schuster's leadership. When Clinton was in the White House and Newt was Speaker, Mm -hmm. we passed two six-year bills. We had 75 members on the committee. All 75 members, both Democrats and Republicans, voted for these bills. That's what we need to get back to. They were the days when you got things done. Exactly. I those days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. And um, we, we had the money to pay for it, and we took care of uh, America's infrastructure. Um, so we proved that you can do it in a bipartisan way. It can be done in a bipartisan way. I think yes. uh, the current chairman, Bud Schuster's son, Bill Schuster, is a very bipartisan guy. He's tried to reach out to Democrats. Um, and, you know, if the direct answer is if Trump pushed hard for an increase in the gas tax, he'd probably be able to convince enough Republicans with Democrats. Boom. We've seen that. You, uh, if yeah. he, when he pushes hard for something, the Republicans yeah. get yeah. in line. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of projects that I did want to ask you about. And one is uh, the D.C. Metro. Right. I mean, we're I use the Metro all the time. Sure. I'm a big fan of the Metro sure. system. But, you know, it's pain in the ass these days because they have to do all these right. repairs. We're right across the street from the Eastern Market Metro. Right, right. And you mentioned Escalator. This yep. Escalator is there. there. There are three of them. There's right. never a time when all three of them are working. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's true throughout the system. Yeah. yeah. And so this is all a result of what? Deferred maintenance? or? Well, it's, it's a result of um, not keeping up with maintenance with a 40-year-old system uh, that um, needs more resources than it's been given. Um, and they they not only need to fix up the escalators and the elevators, but they need new cars. They need new infrastructure. They need the kind of preventive maintenance that will so, prevent the kind of fires that have occurred from time yeah. to time that have yeah. shut down the system. Um, you know, it, it's, it's more than money. Uh, Governor McAuliffe has asked me to try and help find some solutions. There have been a lot of studies done. But it really revolves around three things. The governance of, of the metro and how that is structured. Um, how how, the, how the, uh, the, st- the two states and the district pay their share of the cost for operating metro. Mm-hmm. It's not just a D.C. Uh, metro. It's for the entire region. So it includes Virginia and Maryland in that right. regard. And then, of course, uh, fares and the... And, uh, and the cost uh, for people that ride the metro. So it's a combination of funding, governance, um, some uh, legacy costs that, frankly, are um, weighting down the the budget of metro. And Amtrak. Uh, You may not remember, uh, Mr. Secretary, but when you were secretary, at one point you had been visiting, I think, the president, and you stepped out of the uh, uh, the White House to, there was a cluster of reporters there, Uh, and I asked you about Governor Christie's decision right. not to put New Jersey money up to um, expand or to add another line or whatever in right. that tunnel right. uh, from New Jersey into New York. Right. And uh, 
you were not happy with that question, and you ducked it, frankly, because I think you. Were, I think at the time you were trying to w- right. still work something yeah, out yeah, with yeah, Governor Christie. Right, and it didn't but work out. He, it didn't work. But that's a serious problem. It's isn't a it? serious problem, and now you see Governor Christie and Governor Cuomo coming together, trying to figure out, you know, what to do about building a couple of new tunnels. I mean, isn't it true? Tr- there's what one yeah, line right. going each way, right? Right, right, exactly. With how many trains every yeah, day? Yeah, it's just, for thousands of people who travel on those trains. And these tunnels are in a very state of uh, disrepair, and they need to be replaced. Uh, it cost a lot of money, uh, and it was a very, very bad decision. Very bad decision. Uh, and we just had a couple of derailments at Penn Station. Now right. they're talking about having to uh, do major repairs there. Isn't This is another case, I guess. Yeah, there's of- a project called the Gateway Project that will... Uh, really address a lot of these issues, build the tunnels and uh, fix up Penn Station. And uh, Cuomo and Christie are behind it now. And it it would be a part of a big infrastructure bill uh, if Congress ever passed it. So we are the wealthiest nation on the planet. Why is it that we have to go to Japan or France or whatever to travel on a bullet train? You know, if if Eisenhower in uh, 57 had signed the high-speed rail bill instead of the interstate bill, our country would be connected uh, by trains. Wow. Was it proposed at that time? That's right. No, it wasn't proposed, but But, but, Eisenhower had the idea to connect the country with roads. Right. So in the event of some big emergency, people could get out of the cities and, uh, and get away from whatever danger might be. Mm-hmm. might be coming. Uh, and it was a good vision. I mean, we have the best interstate system in the world. We haven't kept it right. up, but it's a good system. In Europe, what they did, they made the national government made their investment in trains, so that i.e. they have the best trains. That's what's happening in China. Every time you go to Beijing or Shanghai or anywhere, there's a new train line. Japan, they have the best trains, Spain, all over Europe, uh, the best trains, because the national government made the investment. No state has the money to do it on their own. You have to have a national commitment. President Obama made that commitment Mm -hmm. when he put $8 billion in the economic stimulus bill. We gave most of that money to California, frankly, because Governor Brown decided he was going to have a train from San Francisco to L.A., and they're building it now. It's going to go 200 miles an hour. Think of the cars that will be taken off the road along that corridor. And that could happen in America if we had a national commitment to put our money into trains. We have a commitment to do the Northeast Corridor, and we put about 40% of Amtrak's budget comes from the federal government. But we don't have a national commitment either mm-hmm. from the Congress or from an administration to say we're going to start putting our money uh, into trains. And is the vision there uh, like um, you know, connecting major population hubs Correct. like L.A., San Francisco, right? Exactly. And in the middle of the country, you're not going to get much. Yeah, really, guess, in right? my home state, uh, when uh, Pat Quinn was governor, we gave about $4 billion. He mashed it with his, some of the state's money, and they fixed up the train line, which was a 79-mile-an-hour train from Chicago to St. Louis. Uh, now it goes 110 miles per hour, hmm. and it it's, it's a direct line. The key for that, though, is there's about five universities, Illinois State University in Bloomington, U of I in Champaign, Southern Illinois in Carbondale, Western Illinois in Macomb. 
they deliver kids from the suburbs in Chicago oh, on that train. Got it. And yeah. so it's very, very popular uh, with college students, but it's also popular with, you know, uh, Illinois citizens. Uh, and uh, it's a good train line now because Obama had the money. Pat Quinn decided he was going to fix up Chicago to St. Louis. Your point. Connecting big population centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some... But even on this Amtrak, even in here in this corridor, right? Mm-hmm. I use the train mm-hmm. often, sometimes once a week. Sure. Between here and New York. Exactly. Um, so they have the regular regional train, which is roughly three hours. Right. And now we have the fast train, the Acela, which is two hours and 45 minutes. Right, right. So that's well, still look, as, fast, if, as, if, as if, fast as we can go. You if, ought to be able to do that in, what, in Japan? It would take you an hour. Yeah, and, and, uh, hour and half, a- Amtrak uh, needs the resources to, you know, the, the problem is. Is Amtrak making money? Uh, they're they're but, doing okay, but but of course that's not the end, no, is it? For, no, no. For, I mean that's not, the highways don't make money either. Yeah, right? it's so. not really the goal. The point yeah. is to try and deliver people in a comfortable way. Yeah. There's a project that's uh, uh, underway between Washington and New York to put a maglev. Japan has invested uh, millions of dollars, and some people, um, hmm. you know, some folks are working on that. Um, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see what comes of that. They're looking for some private investment, and they're looking for a commitment, really, from the national government to be for, for that too. Would so, it be the same roadway? Uh, you know, it would be. Obviously not the same alignment, but it would be, uh, you know, below and above grade. So Right. So as we move into Infrastructure Week uh, with this looming, you know, what what do you, you and Ed Rendell and the organizations you represent, what do you want to see happen? What are you really calling for? Uh, the Congress to pass a transportation bill, a significant bill. Not not some kind of a chintzy, rink-a-dink bill that, you know, just co- sort of maintains everything. We want a bill that raises the gas tax, looks at tolling, looks at the infrastructure bank, really provides a big pot of money to, to really in, enable this vision that Trump has for a trillion-dollar infrastructure program. And, um, you know, it, Congress needs to really put its thinking caps on. You, you can't... We, we know what needs to be done. 80,000 structurally deficient bridges, interstates crumbling, transit systems falling apart. So give us, you know, give a big pot of money and then put a six-year program together and boom, you start America at least on a path to say to people, we're serious about infrastructure and serious about funding it. And it seems to me, right, and what do I know? I'm just a talk show host, right, that that ought to be a message that you – one message – where you could have Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and Paul Ryan standing alongside of each other with you and Ed Rendell and saying, this is one thing on which we agree. Why not? Right, right. Right. Yeah, well, you got the Chamber of Commerce and the AFL standing together talking about it. And uh, yeah, think of the jobs for yeah, one thing. the, the yeah. jobs and uh, the job creation, and, and economic and by development. The way, and Donald Trump standing right, 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 right exactly, right there too. Yeah. exactly. So I mean, it's something so obvious. It's just yeah. Why can't we make that happen? Well, well I'm kind of, we're counting on you to make it happen. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for the opportunity to be on your show to promote it. I got to say, with two, two, you and Ed Rendell, you couldn't have two better people. Thank I think, you to, to thank seriously you, to bring this yeah. off and. Uh, You've had uh, you have a great career, and what's really great is that uh, 
you know, you're still at it. Exactly. <laughs> we have to be. I know. Yeah, this stuff matters. It's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. 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 Hey, Absolutely. one quick little thing as former yeah. Secretary of Transportation. Um, what do you think about driverless cars? You know, what I, what, what I think is that a lot of these companies are putting an enormous amount of money in and driverless autonomous cars are coming to America. Uh, I've been to Google. I've been to Mountain View three I times. I remember you were telling us about that right. in the briefing room a little bit. You I mean, know, um, Google's putting a lot of money. Uber's putting a lot of money. I've been to Pittsburgh. I've seen what they're doing there with their autonomous cars. Uh, Apple's uh, trying to figure out if they're going to get into autonomous cars. Do you cars. support this? You think it's a good... Um, I think that it's it's coming. It doesn't make any difference whether I support it. The comp- these companies are believe in it. When I was at Uber and I said to this young guy who was about 30 years old, who's running the Uber autonomous car program, of course, very smart guy, uh, I said, when when are they going to be on the road? And he said, within five years. So it it they're on it, they're it, on the way. It's coming so, whether you like it or not. Exactly. Right? So we need to start getting our head around the idea. There, it has to be safe, uh, and you have to have some good rules and regulations to make sure that these autonomous cars are safe, but uh, they're coming to America. So watch out. Here they go. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Ray Hood. so good to see Thank you. Thank you, Bill. All right. Great American. Thanks for coming Thank in. Thank you. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk cybersecurity next with uh, Corey Bennett from Politico. I am concerned that I have a president that praises Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump is not a Republican, Congressman. Donald Trump is an authoritarian. How long are you and your fellow Republicans going to defend this American nightmare? Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On a Thursday, May 11, um, you got it, The Bill Press Show. We're here with you on YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV, WCPT out in Chicago. Don't forget, all new for The Bill Press Show, Patreon, Patreon.com. You find us by Patreon.com slash BP Show. We've we'll, we, uh, been putting up all kinds of exclusive content um, it, for very low cost per month. Uh, extra commentary, criticism, columns, and even a new video we're working on called The Making. The new podcast we're working on. Podcast, podcast. I'm sorry. But we do have the video up there now of your interview with Greta. The good thing about the Patreon stuff is we could get out of the studio. We went to Greta's studio and you interviewed her there. Uh, and she talked about the differences betwe- between covering Barack Obama versus Trump. Uh, she even talked and about Bill O'Reilly. And the differences between uh, working on MSNBC and working on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really, really great interview. So you got to go to patreon.com slash BP show to get it. Anyhow. Uh, and the news of the day, of course, uh, still is the firing. Uh, I'm sorry. forgot to mention we're brought to you today by the international, by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Gerard, Leo Gerard, big article in the New York Times today about the resurgence of the steel industry, um, thanks in great part to the leadership of the USW, the Steelworkers, and Leo Gerard. Check out their website at USW.org. It was a saying, one big story of the day still, 
the firing of James Comey and the fallout from it. Uh, Corey Bennett is the deputy security editor at Politico, um, uh, which is very related to this story. So, Corey, welcome to the program. Welcome to your first visit to the studio. Thanks so much, Bill. Uh, and um, so to what extent was, do you think, do we know that the Russian hacking, what impact did it really have on the American election? You know, it's hard to say. There were obviously a million factors that were all intertwined. Each one probably had some you know, ability to move the poll slightly, some ability to to convince people to stay home. Um, but, you know, consistently, while U.S. intelligence agencies have said they are pretty certain, uh, almost absolutely certain, that the Russians were behind the hacking campaign, uh, they have refused to make what they consider to be a political determination about how much it might have swayed the election one way or the other. Now, we can say that the Russian hacking has spawned these kind of congressional probes, the FBI counterintelligence probe, uh, and those certainly might have long-term ramifications. And is there any evidence yet that um, uh, anybody in the Trump orbit was actually uh, assisting the Russian efforts? As the White House likes to point out, and as Trump likes to uh, point out on Twitter regularly, uh, there has not been any confirmed evidence of that yet. Now, you know, they point that out as if that's a uh, a concluded fact. Uh, but in reality, there are several open probes. The FBI has an open counterintelligence probe, like I said, and Congress has two probes going into this uh, to determine whether or not that is, in fact, so true. nobody has proven that it did happen, but also nobody has proven that it didn't happen, <laughs> That's right, correct? Yeah. Right. That's right. And Donald Trump only focuses, of course, on one side of exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he did say in his letter firing James Comey, thank you for telling me three times that I am not under investigation. When did do we know when that happened and did it happen? It's it's so bizarre because uh, Trump seems to be incapable of of staying away from mentioning that. Yet when people press the White House for details, you know when were these conversations? Why would the FBI director tell the president this? Why is this in a letter that is not about the Russian investigation? That is primarily about the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they clam up and they say, "Well, you know, we can't provide specifics about that. That's you know conversations between uh, Mr. Comey and the president himself." So we don't know when those conversations occurred, why they occurred, or what was actually said and what Comey was actually referring to. Or if they occurred. That's true, yeah. I guess the only person who could tell us that would be James Comey. I guess, and I'm sure he won't be talking anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, I doubt it, although that would make a good book. Although uh, he is going to be uh, in a closed session before the Senate Intelligence Committee next week. So, you know, I'm sure reporters will be staking that out. I'm sure there might be some leaks coming out. Yeah, and the senators will definitely be, I would think, uh, you know they're going to be asking that question. But I right. was at the White House briefing yesterday where... Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said three times when asked that question, uh, we do not talk about the president's private conversations with anybody, right? Unless they want to. But, yeah. <laughs> if the circumstance but, but they have been, it, yeah. <laughs> They have been unable or unwilling to document when those when those three things happen. That's so. true. And and so. the, the broader story about, you know, when Trump uh, made the decision to fire Comey has also uh, been quite muddled from the White House well, as well it's regarding changed that timeline. Completely. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, originally it was he made it Monday, last minute, and then mm -hmm. Sarah Sanders yesterday said, oh, f from November 8th, you know, he he's been saying, considering this. He's yeah. been considering it. Uh, what's, what's fascinating, uh, what our reporters are hearing is that 
there seem to be kind of two narratives emerging. One, uh, which the White House has put out there that, you know, well, Rod Rosenstein was confirmed. Uh, within two weeks, he had determined that there was uh, this massive loss of faith in the FBI's uh, ability to be independent, to be uh, apolitical, that the American public at large had lost faith in the FBI, uh, and that a change in leadership was needed that these concerns were brought to the president, and he said, please put that in writing, made a decision to fire. Uh, but what our reporters are hearing from people within the White House, from White House aides themselves... Right. Yeah, it was an excellent story you had on this yesterday. That's right, yeah, yeah and, and we had a great follow-up today from Josh Dossie, uh, which people should check out. Um, and, you know, what, what we've seen or what we've heard is that uh, Trump has been stewing over this for weeks, uh, particularly Comey's public appearances on Capitol Hill, uh, where he not only disputed Trump's uh, claims that Barack Obama wiretapped him, uh, but also disputed Trump's tweet in real time. I, I, you may have seen, Bill, but there was this bizarre 21st century moment where a Democratic congressman read a tweet that had just been uh, yeah, issued yeah. from the president during the hearing, and Comey in real time disputed the accuracy of that tweet, uh, culminating, obviously, in the follow-up appearance where uh, Comey or, said he felt mildly nauseous was, was his term. I was just looking for, yeah. The tweet again is, when the Russian Russia-Trump uh, collusion story is a total hoax, when will this taxpayer-funded charade end? That's his other line, and uh, again, this is kind of a, a mixed messaging thing here, right? Because are they, is he asking for the counterintel probe to be shut down? Uh, the White House insists they want to see that run to its conclusion, <laughs> but uh, obviously the president is using a bully pulpit to... Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it just doesn't add up. I mean, yeah. it, it, as I said earlier, it doesn't face a straight face test, pass a straight face test when they say, we want this investigation to continue. We're we really is because we want to see it come to its conclusion, so everybody will know the truth. So therefore, we're firing the guy who's ahead of the investigation. How do you put those two pieces together and keep a straight face? Right, right. I mean, certainly we're getting several different narratives here of what's going on. Obviously, as you said, the only person that knows the truth uh, is James Comey himself, and perhaps Donald Trump himself. Yeah. Um, the this issue of how how serious is it that any foreign government, but particularly Russia, right, could have such an influence on an American uh, election? I mean, it, yeah, it's cybersecurity, but it's mm -hmm. also like it's democracy. Dem yeah, that's right. And I think the concerning part is what we saw in the U.S., but really what we're seeing everywhere. We've seen similar influence campaigns in France, in Germany. Uh, in the UK. Uh, there are even some researchers who say that there were uh, uh, disinformation, false news campaigns uh, ahead of the Brexit vote. Now, that's a little less certain than what we saw in the US and what we certainly saw in France very recently, uh, in which two days before the election, uh, the centrist candidate who ended up winning, uh, Emmanuel uh, Macron, had nine gigabytes of data dumped about his campaign, uh, his party officials. That was clearly uh, well, I shouldn't say clearly, but it appeared to be an attempt uh, that researchers have tied to Russia uh, to put out negative information about his campaign, potentially swaying the election towards Marine Le Pen, who is the nationalist far-right candidate that Trump has spoken highly of. She's friendly with Vladimir Putin. She's anti-EU. She's anti-immigrant. Uh, all of these stances are beneficial. She's Donald Trump. In many ways, people have, have made the comparisons. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ultimately... 
the benefit to Russia and to you know address your question about how concerning is this is this from a U.S. perspective, it has the potential if Russia can influence elections in Germany, in France, in the U.S. and sway them towards far right candidates, it has the potential to reset the global order, mm -hmm. to potentially destabilize the EU, to potentially de destabilize NATO, uh, to change immigration law wholesale across the globe. Uh, and, you know, some people obviously would support that. Uh, I'm not here yeah. to make a, a political right. determination, sure. but, you know, we have to understand that the world order mm -hmm. could be completely reshifted uh, in part as a result of these Russian meddling no, they campaigns. Could, uh, in they, part, in part. They could undo the uh, EU, undo NATO, undo the euro, undo the whole era of uh, international cooperation. It's a hypothetical, but it is somewhere in the realm of possibility. But they were well on their way in the sense if you uh, if you include Brexit and and the election of Donald Trump. Right. Those are those are two pretty pretty big victories for them. Right, right. And you know, it, to going back to our earlier conversation, we can't exclusively attribute it yeah, to Russian right, meddling, right. but it is one of several factors. So look, I mean the, the, there are reports that the United States watched Russia hack France's computer networks. That's right. The you NSA know, gave them a heads up. Yeah. yeah, and then the NSA is one who gave France the heads up. So, like, this is happening. That's I right. know there's a big debate over whether that happened here or not, but, like, it is happening. And like you point well, out, it might not be the reason that they lost, but we, we can't continue to just, like, deny that it's not a thing because it is a thing. So what exactly do they do? I'm not, I'm not sure of that. What exactly no, – okay – they released John Podesta's emails, right? Okay. But was that enough? I mean, when we say that Russia was colluding, right? Or, I mean, Russia was interfering in our screen. What, what exactly did they do? They didn't, they didn't get into the voting machines. That's right. There's no evidence right. of that. Okay. So it was just putting out false information about Hillary or? So it's, it's a multi-prong approach. There's not only the hacking that targets various political parties, various political candidates. Uh, but then there's also the strategy uh, to perpetuate those leaks in the media. The groups that U.S. intelligence agencies have linked to Russia were actively trying to shop around certain stolen information to media outlets, including ourselves. Uh, you, you might have seen that Roger Stone uh, has acknowledged that he uh, communicated on Twitter with Guccifer 2.0. We did as well. I'm sure the New York Times did. I'm sure huh. every media right. outlet okay. did. Wow. Yeah. And where this had a, an effect, you know, we immediately had some so pause like, and said we can't story? request what, documents. What story, for example? Well, so he would say uh, this Twitter personality, Guccifer 2.0, or the, the hacker persona, I should say, uh, would go to local districts uh, you know, kind of federal races, but at a state level, uh, say a district in Florida for, for a House of Representatives, and he would say, hey, I've got documents on so-and-so that's running. Do you want to put these on your blog? And uh, there's actually a great New York Times story, uh, and we saw this happening, where some bloggers did take those documents, and they did have a much greater effect on those local elections than the Podesta document dumps did yeah. at a national level. Because when it's a microcosm, there's not as much money being put into those. Sure, so if you get sure. a late, late in the game dump, yeah. and the other campaign has huh. no clue where this is coming from, uh, it's very hard to sway. So that's where, you know, I think you see the effect is not necessarily the hacking, but the power of them then to know where to go to amplify the message of those documents, uh, and then also the other arm of this would be the propaganda wing. 
Uh, and the U.S. government laid this out in, in extensive detail in the report they put out uh, in January. Um, but the Kremlin was giving directions to outlets like RT, uh, to, to TASS, um, to promote certain stories uh, that were fake about Hillary Clinton, you know, that focused on uh, her health, for example. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that, that was another. There, there were fake news campaigns that were being disseminated on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, that some believe that that some senators have have hinted may have been targeted towards certain demographics in some of the swing states, say Michigan, for example. We don't know if that's true, but right. there certainly were false news campaigns. Okay, so why didn't this have as big an impact in France as it did in the United States? It, it, it's fascinating to to kind of parse that, that apart. And, you know, we're going to have Was to kind France of... France better protected? Had they had better protection measures in place? I did see one story that mm -hmm. said the reason is because there was there's no Fox News in France. <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> uh, but... I will, there was sort of a media blackout, blackout wasn't there? Uh, that's for right. That 24 or 48 hours before the election? So starting Friday at midnight before the Sunday election, there was yeah. a full media blackout. And the media honored that. Uh, they did I'm not fascinated by that, oh, no, by that practice, is, by the way. Yeah. I love that practice. And you know who else honored it? Yeah. The other campaign, outside of one yeah. tweet right. from uh, the, the National Front, which is yeah. Marine Le Pen's party, yeah. they did not talk about it. I love right. that. Which is incredible. And so part of that is, you know, th that's a longstanding rule. But but the other thing that we saw was even after that blackout, uh, <laughs> Le Monde, the French paper, yeah. came out and they said, we're looking at these, but we're not going to write about them until we have verified that they are true. And that took me back as, you know, <laughs> yeah. one, a very respectable thing to, to, to do. And two, the exact opposite of what the American media, uh, including us at Politico, did. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily say we did the wrong thing. Everyone's reporting. Uh, campaigns refuse to confirm whether things are true or not. And we can't independently confirm a lot of these things. That's just impossible. They're private conversations. Uh, so it's, it's really a, a judgment call on behalf of the media. But I, I do think that it's... It's telling the way these two things turned out. I was going to say that that is one of the things that I don't think we talked about nearly enough during our own election is the ethics of taking emails that were stolen and leaked and reporting on them. And I, I, look, I, I don't know what I, I'm not trying to get up on a soapbox or anything, but we right. never really actually stopped for a second and said we should question whether or not these emails from. John Podesta being leaked out to the media in this way, if we should just pause, maybe we shouldn't be reporting on these. We just went straight forward. And, you know, there, there were complicating factors in the U.S. election. We weren't as yeah, but sure risotto, that Russia was the behind risotto it. Recipe. <laughs> the world needed to know could, about that. How could you resist? I mean, my Friday nights have forever changed yeah, right. as a result, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, they're, they're, we weren't as sure it was coming from Russia. We You know, it was coming from WikiLeaks, which obviously seems to have taken a change in the type of information that they are disseminating. But for years, WikiLeaks would release things, and they were always correct. Yeah. And so we get this. We haven't had a determination from the government yet that this is that these are documents stolen mm -hmm. by Russia laundered through WikiLeaks. Yeah. In France, I think it was much clearer what the intent was and who the perpetrator was. So we did have some lessons learned, I feel, that were applied to that situation. We were the, the guinea was, pig in, in some ways. And in a sense, it was like we almost knew more in the United States about what they were leaking in France than the French people did. 
what's fascinating that right i mean american english speaking twitter accounts are the ones that promoted them the most online which is and many of them all right uh twitter personalities it should be noted right because people thought that this might really tilt the french election and uh and it didn't impact it. Yeah. Uh, well, and like, the, the other big difference is, you know, Macron was way ahead in the polls. You know, yeah, he ended yeah. up with 65%, I think, of the vote. Right. Back to the Podesta uh, leaks. You're right. I mean, nobody said, gee, these, this is stolen material. Why should we be reporting on these? They just did. At the same time, they were authentic. That's right. I mean, Podesta could not deny they were, they, that's what he said, and that's what. Uh, you know, the uh, Democrats nobody. warned that there were fake documents buried in them, but we have not, to this point, found any forged or falsified documents. Uh, and, and you know, and again, to draw I don't a parallel, any. some of them no. were embarrassing comments That's made right. by other yeah. people. You know, inside the administration. Same thing with the DNC; mm-hmm. they were stolen, but th- they got they got the goods. One smart thing that I think the French uh, folks did: the Macron campaign said that they set up fake email accounts and fake documents within those accounts. Yes. So when the Russians stole, when allegedly the Russians stole the documents, it was on them to verify which were true and which weren't. I think that's, uh, if that is indeed what they did, I think that's quite uh, an intelligent strategy. Which gets to my next question, is what are we doing defensively to protect against? uh, We have seen the White House hacked. We've seen the Defense Department State Department. The State Department. I mean, like nobody, and and not to mention how many big corporations, right? Uh, Nobody is safe. Is there no, is there not a secure system that people can put in place? Uh, The short answer is is no. Uh, There is no security panacea. Uh, What we can get better at Uh, is at detecting and responding and mitigating. So being able to identify a hacker once they are in your network and stop them from getting the crown jewels data. Uh, Because there is no system that is going to guarantee lockout digital thieves. That's just, you know, that's a known fact. Uh, But what we are bad at is discovering them once they are in the network. It allows these hackers to kind of move laterally and just hop through, find whatever they want. Yeah, right. now, I love know, that idea of putting yeah. up the decoy stuff that they're No, French that's did. a great idea. Um, and the U.S. government has taken some other steps. Uh, the, the Department of Homeland Security classified our electoral system as critical infrastructure, uh, which puts it on the same level as, say, uh, the financial system or the power grid. Uh, and it allows local election officials to have more access to federal help to defend their networks. I mean, local election officials should not be expected to be able to defend their networks. They don't have the proper training. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the proper resources. They just don't have the know-how. So um, is the United States, um, do we have the capacity and are we using cyber warfare to uh, thwart the North Korea's ability to fire any <laughs> missiles? Well, my short answer would be yes. But we, we don't have the really capacity. know. Yes, we certainly have the capacity. To what extent we're doing it, uh, that's a much harder uh, question to answer. Did, now, did we do it in Iran? The Stuxnet virus. Uh, I would believe that all signs point to yes. Um, and just to, uh, briefly, uh, the Stuxnet virus was what we believe to be a joint operation between the U.S. and Israel to take out many of the nu- nuclear centrifuges mm-hmm. in Iran, uh, yeah. and a significant uh, portion of them as well. It set back their their efforts for quite a period of time. Um, 
I would imagine we are trying similar efforts in North Korea. I think we need to be hesitant to attribute all of the missile failures to cyber meddling on behalf of the U.S. Uh, early stage weapons that they're testing have very high fail rates, even back when the U.S. was testing them. Um, so I, I think it's a, a very easy and kind of 21st century conclusion to jump to uh, that we are behind uh, these failures. But that is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. It's somewhat satisfying when you see one of these <laughs> things fizzle and fall in the ocean to think that we did it. Oh, yeah. Know? Well, and I think that's why, right? <laughs> it's yeah. a nice narrative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and to what extent, related to all of this, of course, is um, the first time we heard about all this was Edward Snowden and NSA. Uh, is NSA still up to its old tricks? We don't hear well, much it's, about it's, it anymore. It's legally not up to all of its old tricks uh, due to some legislation. Uh, we passed the, the USA Freedom Act. Right. Um, but uh, to, to a broad extent, yes. I mean, most of those uh, surveillance programs are still in place. Uh, even the legislation that passed ending the phone metadata uh, bulk collection program, um, that data is still being collected. It's just housed within the private sector now. Yeah, right. They're still collecting the all the stuff, but they're housing it with the pri- with the telephone right. company, with the, whatever. And then the gov, but the government can access it by they go to the FISA court, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, and and can access it anytime they want. And that's FISA well, court you know, the FISA court FISA has to court. approve it, but it's a rubber stamp operation. Uh, that is a criticism of it. Yes, um, I think. I think people that are involved in the FISA court and people that know it would probably argue that it's a much more uh, exhaustive process uh, than we might imagine. Um, and, you know, I think we, we actually saw that uh, somewhat recently, kind of the latest development uh, on NSA surveillance is that the NSA has decided to, um, so I guess I'll, I'll back up a step. The other major program that they do uh, are these kind of online communications monitoring programs. Uh, these are authorized on, under mm-hmm. Section 702 uh, of FISA. And what those do is essentially hoover up online communications of foreign targets. So if you or I are talking to yeah. a foreign target, that's, that's going to be yeah. pulled up. Um, but what the NSA recently uh, agreed to stop doing was to hoover up what's called about collection. That's if you and I are sitting here uh, or uh, say talking. we're we're having a, yeah. an email exchange and we're talking about a foreign target, but we're but both not. in the U.S. and we're American yeah. citizens. That will no longer be collected uh, by the NSA, uh, and that was because of FISA court uh, concerns that were raised uh, that they weren't complying with the privacy mechanisms. Well, that's one example where they may have st- <laughs> stepped in. Then. Well, and, and it, look, it, you know, privacy advocates got to gotta stop you because yeah. we are out of time. Go this is such an important <laughs> area, and you've done such great work. Thanks, Corey. Thanks. Thanks so much. Buddy. It's Politico.com. Have a great one, folks. Pressure. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. All right, friends and neighbors, you know, I've uh, attended a lot of White House briefings over the last nine years, but yesterday was clearly, far and away, the wildest one ever uh, seen at the White House. Sean Spicer was off on Naval Reserve duty, so it was Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yes, she's the daughter of that guy who handled the brief, and I'm telling you, it was like she'd been beamed in from another planet. 
There in front of the White House Press Corps and on national television, Sanders declared, number one, uh, Donald Trump had wanted to fire James Comey from the very from the day he was elected president, even though as recently as a week ago, Trump said he had total confidence in Comey. Two, she said, it was not Donald Trump's idea. It was Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein's idea to fire Comey, and Trump just went along with it. Three, she said, that Donald Trump fired Comey because... He'd been too mean on Hillary Clinton, even though Trump himself had praised Comey's opening, reopening of the investigation in Hillary Clinton's emails, and Trump himself had said that Hillary Clinton was guilty as hell. Four, she said, that Donald Trump insisted Donald Trump's firing of James Comey had nothing to do with the FBI investigation, even though just a couple of days ago Donald Trump tweeted out, that the investigation was a total fraud and a total waste of taxpayer dollars. And five, and finally, she said, Donald Trump wants this investigation to continue even though he had just fired the man who is in charge of it. So how much of what Sarah Sanders said at the briefing on Wednesday, can you believe? Not one word of it. In fact, I think that Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders went and graduated from the same school of journalism where they teach, don't worry about the facts. Just tell the biggest lies you can. This is The Bill Press Show.